Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1357. If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Buchanan, New York, out in the countryside, Ben Tarlow. Hey, Ben, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Better believe it, all six points. All right, here we go. Ben Tarlow is the owner of Mid-Century Motoring, located an hour outside of New York City in the beautiful Hudson River Valley. They are a fully licensed, bonded, and insured classic car dealer and brokerage firm accepting consignments sourcing cars for clients, and providing auction consulting. Each classic automobile is treated like a personal automobile while in Ben's care. Ben originally worked in the auction industry and soon embarked on purchasing unique cars out of Europe, and that led to an import business. He is also an avid vintage racer who campaigns an old Mini Cooper and a 1959 Bug Eye Sprite. That sounds like fun. Today, Ben is embarking on a large expansion of the business and starting with a new facility in the very near future. So, Ben, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you and your company. Could you take a moment and share a little bit more about that and your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. I, it's it's all sort of, um, it, it's been kind of a, an interesting and, and holistic uh, thing for me. As you mentioned, I, I did, out of college, start working in the auction business, and I wasn't doing anything related to automobiles. And not too long after I got into it, I got fired. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to say it was probably for the best. Yeah. Because it, it just felt like a good time. I was 24 years old, 23 years old, living in New York City and just figured that I didn't have a mortgage, I didn't have kids. Why don't I go off and, and just see what happens? And uh, the rest has sort of become history. It just kind of continues to go in weird directions. and I'm happy to, to be along for the ride. Absolutely. We're going to learn a lot more about this journey of your life. But first, I want to start with a mantra or a success quote. Some kind of saying that perhaps has been instrumental in forming your success in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking here on Cars, yeah, since you like to race. So, Ben, take the wheel. Of course. You know, it's there was a when I first started the business, I think a lot of people take this quote to heart. The whole idea that, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And the irony of it is for me, though, I've been in this now for five or six years. I've actually found that's not really true. <laughs> no, it's not true at all. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, I, I think there's a, a Liberace quote made that too much of a good thing is wonderful, right? Yes. Uh, and that's also <laughs> not really true. I, I've found increasingly that while I've never loved cars more, I spend so much of my time 
doing car stuff and my free time basically at the track. So yeah, I've all of a sudden in, in maybe the last year or two, I've, I've wanted to kind of branch out and I've, I've just started doing some kind of random stuff. I've started gardening a bit, which oh, is, cool. of, you know, the ultimate anti-car thing to do, I guess. Yeah. Um, offset my carbon footprint. And, you know, it's just sometimes you do need to take a, a step back. It, it's funny. Um, I think take it as a good sign that I've, I've tempted burnout at moments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I've had so many people on this show now. You're my guest number 1,357. And that idea that you won't work a day in your life is kind of tongue in cheek, if you will. The fact that what you're doing you will enjoy is really the way it should be said. But when you start your own business, it's a whole lot of work and you need to be ready for that and be prepared for that. And that's why I think it's important to do what you love. Because you are going to be very, very busy and working very, very hard. I like the concept of the gardening. You know, I've had a rather large yard and I've worked in my yard pretty much most of my life. And I use it as that escape moment. I listen to books on tape, other podcasts, uh, music. It's kind of a bit of an escape and it's a chance to free your mind a little bit. And my wife has always said that your brain is always working on the challenges that you've faced. It's like when you go to sleep and you're thinking about something. It's working on it. Why you sleep is do you have you found that uh, going out in the garden and getting back to nature a little bit uh, that that helps you with your business? Oh, of course. I mean, I, there's so many different ways. I, I think one of the things to to remember is that when you work in in sales, any form of sales, at least I find that from a personal level a very difficult thing. I've never truly made peace with that. Um, I guess some of us are more natural salesmen than others, and so especially if it's been a bumpy week, and we. I have a lot of bumpy weeks here at Century Motoring. You get you get consigners who get prickly. You get uh, all sorts of games from car buyers. Anyone yep. who's anything in the classic classic car market knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, sometimes yeah, you just want to go. What, what I love about tasks like gardening, or you know, even here in the shop, just like cleaning up, is it's just such a, a direct connection. You you do it and it's done, and there's yeah. no waffling, and there's there's no tense uh, waiting. And it's it's the same thing with with driving on track for me. It's like you just get out there and it's so in the moment and everything is cause effect, cause effect. And and that that keeps me a little bit sane. You know, it really I understand when when I race finished cars, one of the things I enjoyed about it is you cannot think about anything else when you're racing. It's like riding a motorcycle and I used to ride bikes quite a bit. When you're driving to work in the morning or commuting somewhere, it's very easy to get there and not even remember your drive because you can drive on the roadways. Probably shouldn't be, but we all do it. And your mind can be in other places. But when you're on the racetrack, it always amazed me how you could be so pinpoint focused. You could remember one little pebble on turn three, halfway through the apex. And when you get there again, is that pebble still there? I mean, all these details, and it's the same with riding motorcycles. Have you found that with racing, that you can't think about anything else when you're on the track? Oh, absolutely. And part of that is because I'm still a bit green and a complete ham-fisted idiot. And I really have to, <laughs> or I'll cause some damage to the whole world. But the, the big thing, I forget if it was Schumacher, but I once heard a little anecdote. That there was a Formula One driver who, in the closing laps of a race, would start ordering his private jet you know, over the radio and would be making plans to basically get the hell out. And I feel like if there's ever, if it ever comes a day where I can, in the last couple laps of a, a race, sort of tune out and think of something else, then I know I've kind of peaked, I think, <laughs> as, a, as a racer. Because that is some serious, that's gutsy, you know? I, I'm not sure how they did that, but especially in a Formula One race, but uh, maybe if you're way ahead, I, I would find it hard to, 
to be able to relax like that. Um, but again, when I was vintage racing, I usually wasn't at the front of the pack. I was in the middle or at the back. So I was always fighting to try to pass one more guy, just one more guy. So, uh, yeah, I was right up to the very end. The foot was to the floor. So, but that's the joy of that. And the same with gardening, you know, it, it frees your mind. So I like that very, very much. Well, I want you to share a story with us that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed going to be a car guy? There, there was actually, and it, it didn't, um, so I didn't notice it at the time. It wasn't a, a really momentous thing. In my family, cars definitely skipped a generation. I had a, a grandfather who, uh, after a, a false terminal cancer diagnosis, basically went out and bought everything he wanted for a year or two. So there was some oh my gosh. really, really cool Porsche. He, he bought one of those big Mercedes coupes in the late 80s, the 560 SEC, which was just... Mm-hmm. My, my childhood memories of being in that, you know, it serves you your seatbelt, the whole thing. That was a, that was a big deal in the nineties to have a seatbelt. Oh, yeah. And so it, it did skip a, a generation a bit. I, it's funny. In, in recent times, I've gotten my dad into it a bit. I found him a, a 67 duetto. Nice. And he's really, I think he's, he's hooked now too. But when I was, uh, couldn't have been more than grade school age, nine, eight in our, uh, family home in the bookshelf, there was this really battered, 70s era illustrated book and i i think it's called motor cars of the world uh, and it was a, just a, a very kind of sort of uh, illustrated guide everything from the steam-powered you know benz wagon or whatever all the way up to i think it, it topped out in the late 70s Maybe the maserati mistral might have been the last one uh chronologically and i just would spend hours with that book and i think one day it got so shabby someone threw it away because I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And in recent years, uh, as a Christmas gift, I, uh, my dad found a, a pristine copy of it on Amazon. And so I, I finally had it back in the bookshelf. And it's just such a, a blast. But to me, you know, I the names were completely foreign. I didn't know what a launch show was at the time. I didn't know anything about cars. I just loved looking at them. And I, I guess I've always been a, a, a bit artistic. I sort of drank my way through our history degree in college. And, <laughs> you know, I guess I'm a bit of an athlete at some level. I that was really the, the spark. The first sort of really big jump was right after I was fired from the auction house. I had been itching for a long time to import something under the 25-year rule. And I'd just been reading about it, and I'd never owned a classic car at that point. Um, and I found myself on Bastille Day uh, in an unair-conditioned hotel room in Lille, France, kind of searching around the classifieds. And I ended up bringing home a really, really early Alpha Stepnose, a 64 uh, Sprint GT. And it's, I joke, it was the only car I ever bought ahead of the curve. Cause it, uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't perfect, but it was, it turned out to be one of those sort of time capsule cars. It's yeah. old, right? It just, everything felt unmessed with, you know, and that was the car. It started the business. My, my legal name for the business is Verde Sprint LLC. It's, it's an homage to that car. Mm-hmm. Um, I owned it for a few years. I made a killing on it when I sold it and I was just hooked. Very cool. Hey, that book that you're talking about. Do you remember what it looks like on the cover? Does it have a real old coach and then a like a Ferrari or something on the cover? Yeah, the the copy I've always seen, it's a small hardcover book and it has like four little or four or six. It's like a grid almost of little illustrations on the front. And I, I think it's a mix of again a, a you know very pre war something or other and then you know um, Yeah. Yeah. I've gotta go I think I have that book. Uh it just it's a, a book a long time ago I got. I think my parents might have given it to me. Was it published way back? Because I would have gotten that in the 60s. I, I think it must have been, it, at least the edition I've always known, must have been released in the mid-70s-ish. 
Okay. Well, that's could what have been. Comes, you know, they can't tell the future, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, what I want to do now, Ben, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a, a big challenge or a big failure you faced along the way. Now, you talked about being fired from that auction house, which turned out to be a good thing for you. Maybe there's something else you want to share, whatever you want to share. But more importantly, what was the lesson learned with that situation? I think there's, well, there are ongoing challenges with this business. I, it's not easy to do it when you're a young guy. I'm 29. I started this business at 23-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will look at it a bit sideways. You know, what the hell are you doing here? What the hell do you know? <laughs> um, the other side of it, I think, is that it's, um, it's just challenging in general right now where the classic car market is going. And I don't mean this season or how, you know, Scottsdale next year will look. I mean, just kind of philosophically over the next, you know, I think in terms of sort of my working years, hopefully I'm looking at, you know, 30 or plus years of, of career from here on out. I'd mm-hmm. like, I'm very sort of um, preoccupied with, with what this, um, this hobby and this industry, these cars, what, what will come of all of it? What has you what has you preoccupied? I'm very curious where we're going with this. I had a so my mother's a, an avid equestrian. There was a I think I was at a, a dinner with some of her barn friends and I got chatting with someone and they kind of made the equivalence. They said, you know, it's funny, if you showed someone who used a horse for transport in say the eighteen eighties, how we use horses today, that they're in these special facilities and that no one actually needs them or uses them to get around really anymore. They're they're kind of a different forms of, of recreation. It's all mm-hmm. the control. He said, so can't you really see that becoming cars within yeah. time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about it and, you know, I, I go, yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because in, in the horse world, you've got people who do everything from just sort of trail riding, playing around with ponies to show jumping to racing. Right. And I wonder if, if that's kind of where the we're future going. of cars. Yeah. Well, you've yeah. boy, you've painted an interesting picture here, Ben. Now I'm starting to get a little freaked out. <laughs> I don't know if it's a bad thing, but it is a preoccupying thing. So when I look around my shop now, you know, I, I see a lot of really, really cool stuff that I'd love to drive. But we're also spoiled in the modern era. And, you know, it's 92 or 93 degrees out today in New York. And none of these have air conditioning. Some of them don't have the greatest cooling systems. It's, it's, if I needed to go somewhere right now, I probably wouldn't take one. Um, right. I, I just wonder if we're all becoming soft culturally or if, you know, the world's just moving on and we need to reinvent what this is. I think, you know, here's a, a look-see at that because I, I think driving has become so much easier with cars these days. I mean, modern cars, are so many luxury things. And with the autonomous cars coming in the case of cars, uh, I have an old friend, Tim Willard, that's been doing a new video series. He works for Mercedes dealers and just did a video the other day of self-parking Mercedes-Benz, these cars that can parallel park by themselves. So you don't, Remembering you and I, well, you're a lot younger than me, but I remember going to take my driving test at 16. And one of the things they had to do was parallel park. That was like the big, scary part of the test. His par- his in- I was in a car that was loaned to me by a friend. It was a brand new Camaro. And I'd not practiced too much in that car. And I didn't quite know where the corners were, but I, I kind of got it in there okay. But this is an interesting concept you're putting before us. Because imagine 100 years from now, yeah. These old cars are only available to be seen like they're specially housed, like a horse, in special garages, barns. You can only see them run in special arenas and tracks. They're not out on the roads. You wouldn't see a horse out on the highway these days because they can't run over, uh, couldn't keep up. 
You can go watch it race. You could go watch old cars race. Yeah, I can see that very much. And then some of them are preserved where you can't even get near them. Now, I don't know if you do that with a horse, but I mean, I'm thinking of museums and things like that. Or zoos for horses. And I don't know if there's not many horses in a zoo, but this is interesting. The, the flip side of it is that I also, I, and I'm sure a lot of people increasingly do this. I see a lot of people doing it. Um, I, I really am, am tickled by using classic cars in places where they maybe ought not be, or it feels a bit wrong. It, it always, I think, certainly to outsiders, vintage racing seems like kind of a bizarre thing to do. And I, I sort of enjoyed the idea that, you know, we're, we're taking uh, these 60-year-old cars out and actually driving them and driving them hard. But just the other night, I, I was down in the city. Um, last month, I was uh, contracted uh, to provide some uh, Julieta Spiders uh, for this Bill Murray film. And they were doing all these night shoots down in Soho. And you know, we had a couple of the cars down there, and, and they were they had the stunt driver out, and they were doing all this crazy stuff. And uh, there was one moment at like 3 a.m., and I'm in a... a Juliet Spider from a friend that he uses as a vintage race car. So very, very loud. We took the roll bar out and put a windshield on it for filming, but it was still a fire-breathing little alpha racer. And I, I just had to bring it around a couple of blocks to, to get it back to where they wanted it for the filming. And uh, I realized that despite living in the city this whole time, I'd never brought a classic car into Manhattan. And oh, yeah. maybe because it was 3 a.m. and there weren't too many cabs cutting me off, it was just magic. You know, I'd love yeah. to do that again. Yeah. Well, you know, you paint a nice, interesting picture and thought here, and I'm sure we're provoking some thoughts for listeners today that are going, hmm, yeah, look into the future, 20, 50, 100 years, what will these cars be used for? And I think you're right. It's fun. And that's why when you go into a city or somewhere and you see a cool old car, it kind of stops you. Now, it always surprises me that some people are oblivious to all of it, and they don't even notice that there's this beautiful Daytona Ferrari sitting in normal traffic, if you will. But uh Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll all have to see what the future brings. But in the meantime, those of us who enjoy old cars and drive them and race them, uh, we're preserving these wonderful vehicles for future people for sure. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle and a memory you might have about that ride. Uh, it's it's actually still in the process. Um, I mean, I've had a lot of cars and while most of them have been, you know, toward the business, as in, you know, I've been flipping them or they've been here on consignment and I've got to live with them for a bit. Recently, and I mean in the last couple of years, I, I did have an itch to kind of do something a bit more special. And I, I went about it in sort of an odd way. I had the hots for a vintage race car, and I thought I wanted to race an Alpha. Most of my friends race Alpha. And so I bought a very rusty 58 Sprint Veloce, way rustier than I thought it was, but that's just how it goes. And I got, I got kind of into it, and I have a, I'm lucky to have a very good uh, body guy next door to me here in Buchanan. And um, found out that it was a, a sort of rare Veloce-only color in 58 called Blue Note, which I assume translates to night blue, but is actually more of like a Bugatti blue, kind of a bright royal blue. And so we figured out the car was originally that color, it had original paint in it. And um, so I, I jumped in and we spent, as I call it, the year of pain, uh, having this thing welded up and, and repainted. And then I had to put it on the back burner for a bit. I had other little race cars I was trying to actually race and you know business was going here and there and up and down and i had to kind of focus but i'm finally getting back around to building it and this to me it feels like the first car i've ever been able to say i have true stewardship over i have a bit of a savior complex with it 
Uh, it probably was borderline scrappy. It's still unclear whether or not it was a good call to save it. But inside of my head, it's the only call. You know, it's a sprint veloce is just magic. And I just love these cars. So I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that together. Um, I've got Santo down at Dominic's and White Plains building me a hot engine for it. And I don't know if I'll actually end up ever racing it. I, once I collate all the bills, I probably won't want to. That has been, that has put everything else into perspective I've done uh, in the automotive realm. I mean, to me, this, um, it feels like a, a good work. And it feels like um, something that I don't know if I could ever part with it once I'm done. I, I've yeah. owned it for a few years, but it's been very intense. You've bonded. Yeah, those are beautiful little cars. Obviously, the coupes, uh, your car is a coupe, right? Versus a spider? A sprint blue yeah. yeah, so body by Bertone, uh, Franco Scaliani, the designer of that beautiful little car. It's just got an elegant little look and feel to it. So nice car to bring back. Thanks for preserving that. Do you have a seller's remorse story, a car that you wish you uh, had kept in your life? I've had a, a few. Um, there are more alphas than I, 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 as you probably can tell by now, I, I do have a really serious alpha affliction. Uh, <laughs> Just a little bit. They're kind of the specialty of the house. Actually, the, the one car that came through here on consignment that I wasn't really in a position to keep at the time, but I would just kill to have back was a, um, a homologation launch of Fulvia, the uh, Fanalonic, as they call it. Oh, yeah. And I had one uh, in here a year or two ago. I had Fulvias. I've owned Fulvias. I've never had the fire-breathing 1.6. And that thing, it was just, as, the, as they say overseas, the business. You know, it was it was too cool. So if, if I ever had a bit more disposable income between the couch cushions. Yeah, yeah. Those are beautiful as well. Very nice. Well, I'd love for you to share what has you excited about your business right now, mid-century motoring. Now, I don't know if you're ready to talk much about this expansion that I alluded to at the beginning, but what has you excited and fired up about your business today? I think I'm at an interesting juncture. As as I've built it up, I still work solo. You know, I don't have any employees. It's really just me. I, I partner and work with a lot of folk, whether they be mechanics or body people or uh, logistics people, and I've got a, a great kind of network around me at this point. And so I'm a bit at a, a transition point. I, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you can imagine in the New York uh, sort of tri-state area, real estate is just impossible. <laughs> yeah, it, I can't it, even imagine. You can spend millions on a teardown. God forbid you have to go in front of the zoning board. The last six months, I've really been uh, receiving an education on what it takes. But I've, I've had this idea for a bit. I was very inspired by what they did over in, in the UK with um, Bister Heritage. I don't know if you've... Yes. Bister, yeah. I do know of them. Yeah. That's a major, major project well beyond the scope of what I would do. But I love the idea of clustering automotive or classic car people and businesses together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I was looking around and I've been looking for a larger building that, you know, I can say, bring my body guy in, maybe bring a mechanic friend in, bring my parts guy in, give him a home. He works out of his home barn and have my showroom, maybe do some storage, maybe have some little events on site, cars and coffee, whatever it is. I, I kind of, to me, that is, A, it's good for my business. I think it makes sense to diversify. But B, you know, as I said, if, if we're moving toward a future where cars are a little less mainstream, I, I like the idea of having a sort of hub, if you will. I think it's an exciting idea. I'll tell you. A good friend of mine who's also been a guest on the show here, Butch Dennison of Dennison International. They're a, a very 
high-end restoration business. They work on vintage race cars. They've uh, restored some Pebble Beach winning cars. Uh, Butch did that years ago. He did it with an investor friend, a client. Uh, They bought a complex that has a big center courtyard surrounded by buildings. He took part of it and then rents out other pieces to upholstery people, body shop people, engine people. I think there's even a go-kart guy in there or something like that. Uh, It's exactly what he did, and it's turned out to be a wonderful thing for him to do. Uh, can bring people in there. I don't think they do any kind of cars and coffees, but they do have events with car clubs that'll go in and walk through his shop and enjoy that. I think it's a really, really neat idea. And in his case, he found an investor that helped him with the financing of that so that they could go in together. And uh, it's all worked out really, really well. I think it's a great idea. Well, we'll see if it, you know I can actually deliver on it. I, I've been working in um, old converted mill building up here in Buchanan. And Buchanan is only really known for Indian Point, which is New York's scary old, about to be shut down nuclear power plant. And so I've had kind of a an inauspicious start working in these little warehouses. And it's got to the point now where, you know, it's it's a perfectly safe and, and usable environment for classic cars. But I think it would behoove me as as I move up scale, I'm I'm getting some kind of exciting stuff in the shop now that's a bit higher end. You know, I, there's there's definitely some wasted potential here. They, they could be in a much, much more interesting and dynamic setting. Absolutely. Well, I wish you the best with that. Sounds like a great idea. Well, Ben, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Okay, Ben, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow 
and you were a vehicle. Not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself manifested into a car. What would that be and why? I think I'd actually, I'd probably wake up as my, my daily driver. I'd, I'd commute in a 2012 uh, 500 Abarth. It's uh, small and loud, just like me. It's also <laughs> badly built and kind of crap, but it's really lovable. And I, I'm really lovable. So yeah, I, I, I think I'd like to be that. I'd probably wake up as a Trabant or something terrible, but I can hope, right? Yeah, exactly. Nicely answered. I like that. Very honest. Well, Ben, up next is the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received or car buying advice? Car buying advice, I should say. Uh, it's, it's either have a fire extinguisher in the trunk or the uh, age old adage, when you spin, two feet in. There you go. <laughs> two, two great pieces of wisdom there. Yeah. If you drive an old car, always, always carry a fire extinguisher. I've sadly seen too many cars burn up. Uh, I've saved a few cars driving by that didn't have extinguishers in them, stopped and helped them. But uh, yeah, put one in your car. It, you could help somebody else at the very least. Now, would you share a personal habit you believe has contributed to your many successes? I don't know if it's actually helping or hurting, but I am a bit of a night owl just by nature. And I really love staying up at the shop really late on a weekday. I actually get stuff done, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I understand. At 7.30 a.m., I won't be. You won't be there. There you go. Yeah, just going to sleep. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm very taken recently with uh, Hammer Price, the app. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think that's kind of a neat thing and probably well overdue. I find it very useful. I also, I, I have to give a shout out to some of the shops around here that I, I work with. I work very closely with Dominic's down Away Plains, as I mentioned before. Briarcliff Basket Imported, Bob Milstein Shop is nearby. So, you know, I think the, the greatest resource really is, as I call them, my, my beloved gray-haired mechanics. Yeah. I learn more from these guys, and I wish I could just download their brains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's You know, you think about people that have been doing this for a long time and all that brain power that's going to be lost at some point. You're hoping they're handing that off to somebody younger who can carry that torch or that hammer or that that uh, torch in their hand, if you will. The gas axe, as we call it, the, the uh, welding iron. Uh, if you could arrange, or if I could arrange, I should say, for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? You know, right now, um, and this changes a lot, but I, I've got a fetish recently for sort of 60s-era British sports racers built in sheds. And so I, I'm I'm really hot on Genetas at the moment. Um, so maybe to get all the Walklet brothers together, I'm assuming they're dead at this point. Or uh, Derek Bennett and Chevron. Love a Chevron at some point. B16, always welcome in my garage, <laughs> as I'm sure it is in most people's. Um, I just, I'd love to hear what it was like to do that kind of, to, to achieve that much in, in such a grassroots, low-key way. I think it was a really magical time, uh, yeah. sports cars and racing. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners? Well, Beyond Motor Cars of the World, which if you don't have a copy, yeah. you certainly get. Um, recently, a friend of mine, kind of apropos of nothing, gave me a, a pre-war parts manual. And it was just sort of a, I think like a mail-order catalog, but it's a hardcover book from the late teens, early 20s. And I don't have it here on the desk. It, it's uh, it's just all sorts of stuff. You know, it's kind of like Jegs circa 1918. And it's fascinating. And I, I love, um, it's good bathroom reading. It's good evening reading. It's, uh, it's just cool, cool stuff. And you can find them, I guess, at antique book rummage sales, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Or on eBay many times you can find people selling old books. Well, you can find all these links that Ben has shared on his very own Carsia show notes page. Just go to Carsia.com, type in Ben Tarlow, T-A-R-L-O-W. 
and that page will pop right up. All right, Ben, we're up to the checkered flag, I like to call it. And this question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today, but there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with and make some money off of. You got to keep this car. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here, but here's the kicker. It's the only collector car you can have. Now you can still have your business where you buy and sell, but this is a keeper. This is a car that you're going to have for a long, long time. So you need to choose very carefully. What's it going to be? It's it's an easy one for me. It never changes. Uh, it would be an Alpha Tipo 33. I like to call it a semi-stradale because I would be hard-pressed to not do some laps. Well, I would hope so. You know, a mix. A, a road-going, what is it, you know, race on Sunday. And I guess they say so on Monday, but I can't do that. So You can't. No, you got to keep it on Monday. You got to clean it on Monday. That would, on that's... Monday, drive to get coffee on Monday. I, I can't imagine uh, anything I'd want more. I just think it's the most perfect thing ever created. Yeah, it's an incredible looking car. I've had the pleasure of seeing a couple of those cars, like on the lawn at Pebble and so forth. And they're just, oh, gosh. I mean, you just want to hug them. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're and just they're, lovely. It's there. I mean, they're, it's a, a relatively aggressive design, obviously. It's a, a racing car. But oh, yeah. um, at the same time, yeah, I think it's those, those soft kind of 60s lines. It, it's almost like a cloud or a pillow. You know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, to me, it's, it's almost as if you took a Ferrari Dino, 246 Dino, and then just softened it, you know, smoothed it out, just played with it. On the camera lens, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of, I don't know. I could, I could wax lyrical all day about yeah. 33s. I've never driven one. I've only seen one or two in the flash in my life. That's probably all I'll ever get. Well, it's good to dream. You never know. So, uh, I'll get to work on that for you. And make sure I can be a fun drive across the country uh, in that car. <laughs> Might worry out a little bit, but I think it still be be a fun drive. Ben, you've taken me on a fun drive today. I really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Uh, could you offer our listeners a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the New York countryside in that Alpha Tipo 33? Ah, if only. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, and I, I say this a lot for different things, but I... I feel like it's more important than ever that as a, an industry, as a hobby, that we uh, involve and go out of our way to involve young people and younger folk. You know, we're, we're very concerned about that in the vintage racing leagues that I, I take part in. Attrition is very real. I think the other thing, too, is I, I'm always very pleased. And I always try and do this myself. You know, if people want to ride or they want to sit in your car or even if, you know, if they drive stick and, and you're comfortable with them, let them drive something. Uh, go out of your way to, to pull people in. Because it's going to get really lonely around here, I think, in a couple of years if we don't. So that's my parting plea, my parting PSA. Nice, nicely said. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was vintage racing, I always let kids sit in my car. You just sparked a little thing in their brain that uh, you hope carried further. And uh, my son, I remember I took him to Pebble Beach with me for many, many years. Uh, he probably attended that event with me for about 18 years. Now he's kind of grown up and working and busy and all that, kind of cats in the cradle song, if you will. But uh, yeah, I remember he even uh, talked to a guy at Pebble when we were uh, at the tour, and this guy invited him to drive onto the lawn in his Jaguar, uh, old Jaguar. I think it was a D-type, if I remember right. And uh, I said, Josh, Blake, I've never even been able to drive onto the lawn at Pebble Beach. And he goes, well, I'll wave at you when I go by. So <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you know, you never know if you ask people, uh, they might just let you sit in the car, take it for a drive or go for a ride with them. Definitely a good thing to do. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and mid-century motoring? Well, um, relatively active on Instagram. I should be more active, but it's uh, mid-century motoring. 
just all one word, lowercase, as Instagram handles tend to be. Also have a website. You can check out the cars there. They're advertised hither and yon. Uh, I'd say anyone's ever up in the region, you know, drop me a line. I love touring people through my little shop here. and It's a nice day. We'll go for a drive. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like fun. Well, you can find all these links on Ben Shono's page on the Cars Yeah website. Remember, that's Ben Tarlow, T-A-R-L-O-W. Hey, Ben, thanks for spending some time with me today. This has been really, really fun. Thanks for sharing your business and your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.